I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. So, the weather, does it smell like home, Doran? Yeah, not quite. I'll tell you, it doesn't sound like home either. Will there be bland stew? All right, so we're looking for the Stone Giant Fork. Isn't that where mineral wool comes from? I guess it is sort of like a city. A bird, get it! Don't do what Doran did last time. We've got at least a general direction. It's less about cuddling and more about piling. Yeah, that's actually really accurate. Oh, I think this is it. Let's call it 150 with all the haggling that you guys are going to do. So that's 300 for four. Sounds good? Sure. No one say anything. Shut up. Wait. Oh, no. Wait. (laughs) Welcome back to Dice Shame. This is season two, episode 17, Two Birds, One Stone. MVP this week is Cyrus, who sent me and Joe some snacks to the P.O. Box. Thank you so much, Cyrus. We really appreciate the nerd fuel. And we need a steady diet of Gardettos to keep our podcasting energy alive. Happy holidays, folks! As we come up on Christmas time, Harlan and I would like to take a second to express our gratitude to you, the listener, for taking this journey with us. We've come a long way since Nightstone in October of 2019, and we really appreciate everyone who's helped make this show possible. So, thanks, guys. And Merry Christmas! Thank you so much! Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays! <sighs> Should we play some D and D? Let's do it. All right. So there was this time, and it was for a long time. I would say about six months at our old house. That every time I would get into the bath, I would have this like stomach dropping feeling, and I I I would sort of describe it as deja vu. It's an experience I've never had before. 
and I have not had it since. Every time. And I would say in that six months, I took four or five baths. And and it would make me feel like I would have this memory that I, I couldn't describe or remember. I was trying to. Every time I'd sit in the water, I'd go, oh my God, what is that? And it would feel like I was watching something really horrific. I would pull out my uh, notepad on my cell phone and type and Harlan would have this like wild stream of consciousness. To get to the point where like, like I would be like, Joe, come in here and write down what I say. Mm-hmm. Like that's how weird it got. Now I'm saying this as somebody who is a skeptic, who has no real connection with supernatural whatsoever. I, I, I don't know why it happened. It stopped and then we moved and, and it doesn't really happen again in baths. I have no... You would be so frightened too. Oh, like I'd never seen you like that because it was it surprised you and then it was this recurrent thing and then you would have this dread about it. Here's my question to everybody else. Has anyone had anything like that? I had a, a reoccurring like nightmare for it went on for weeks when i was a kid yeah i remember it vividly do you remember what it was yeah what i do tell us okay so it was basically there's like this old woman she's holding my baby sister actually and she's looking out the window <laughs> this gets pretty gruesome she's looking out the window and she's looking at these kids at a playground and she's holding my baby sister and she's like, you see all those kids out there? And she's like smiling and stuff. And then she says, that's never going to be you. And she rips her heart out. Whoa. Like she like fully, like it goes to this really dark place and I wake up in a cold sweat. <laughs> yeah, this, this happened. Wild. I think I kind of remember you telling me that actually. It wasn't longer than a month or maybe two but like it was just kind of weird how this thing kept happening i was i couldn't Mm. shake it like every night i'd have this fucking nightmare it was really weird do you think there's some kind of supernatural element to that or is that entirely just your brain um yeah that's a good question no i think it was just neurons firing around honestly and again i say all this from a very skeptical point of view like I, i i i've always said like before that moment, I've always said that there's only ever been one sort of spiritual thing that I've ever experienced. And truth be told that that bathtub thing, I don't even really spin in the spiritual, but it makes me think that that experience, I t- if I was a religious person or if I was a more spiritual person, that would be such a slam dunk sell for me mm-hmm. to be like, oh, well, ghosts a exist because life, I have A past life or someone trying to and, contact and me. And me being a skeptic, like have you had an experience as well that sure you still land on the side of no no this is explainable but that made you go oh but that felt really fucking weird when i was at a friend's house when i was really young maybe like eight or something and we lived way out in the country so we were everyone's house had like a big lot of woods just acres of woods and we were out back of her house the two of us wandering around in the woods and we both saw this shape this shape was human shaped but much bigger than could be possible a wendigo and it was walking towards us through the trees and you could see it moving and it scared the ever-living shit out of both of us and we ran screaming the way two eight-year-old girls only can Mm -hmm. all the way back to the house and we confirmed with each other that that was what both of us saw this like big tall dark human shape that would must have been like 12 feet tall and 
I looking back at it, the the closest thing I could think of was like maybe a bear on its hind legs or something. Mm-hmm. But uh, it it felt very supernatural. Joe finds Bigfoot confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was El Chupacabra. It was, Here we go. <laughs> much more like a person than like a Bigfoot, but you know what we're making discoveries about bigfoot today yeah how do you how do we know what Bigfoot? <laughs> That's true. Like? much more like a person than you'd think what about you alex have you ever had anything like that yeah i don't know i've i i don't know i've never really had too many vibes like that i don't know i've got a i've got a human skull in my apartment that sits on a shelf and <laughs> I uh, and I feel like people like to think that that's a scary thing, but I've always gotten just like chill vibes from it, and I just it's, mm-hmm. just, it's bonesy. And when it talks to me at night, it only says nice stuff. Yeah, yeah. He's very <laughs> it's got the great, greatest knock so knock jokes. He hangs out on the shelf and uh, just chills out there. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I've never really had those those moments. I've found to find. I found most things in my life where I've been really freaked out have been very real. Mm. It's been so real your ghosts stuff. nay. Your your nay. Thumbs down on ghosts. I'm just sort of, I'm just sort of like a like a non-committal hand wiggle on ghosts. And then when sure. it comes to like real, the the terrors of things, it's all very real world. So your ghosts, yeah, like what eighty percent they don't exist. Right? Yeah, I'm sort of. Or are like, you less? I I don't know. I don't know where I. Are you like fifty fifty? Yeah, I'm like fifty fifty. But in the way that I don't think that like ghosts give a shit about us, I feel like if ghosts are real, okay. it's more of just sort of like a plasma kind of thing that sort of exists. Sure. It's like a state okay. of yeah. matter. You're still fifty fifty on their existence. That's, I'm like I'm like eighty eighty percent on their existence. Oh You're really? On their existence? Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Whoa! That coming out of left field with the chair. That wasn't clear from your story. I figured no? you were going oh. hard on the ghosts can go fuck themselves. They don't exist. <laughs> they exist. They're just all assholes. You hell, ghosts. I don't have any hard proof, but like where my mind goes is like. <laughs> if you did, I think you would have like a, a Nobel Prize or something. There, I don't have proof, but I have this jar of ectoplasm. Are, oh, I mean, I, what I mean is, I, I, I don't have any, I don't have any firsthand stories, firsthand yeah. situations. Sure, sure, sure. Um, except like, I'm sure there's something back there. I can't think of right now. I'm sure there is, but, but at the end of the day, it's more of a scientific view of how, like, I think we've really scratched just the bare surface of actually what there is to know. And I think there's things that we don't even see that are like, put it this way. Vision is just perception of light. That, that, that's, I'm just going to finish that conversation. With no, that. I'm with you on that. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm still 99%. They don't exist, but I'm also like the Pascal's wager type side of, but I would never be so bold to say that they don't because to me, no, it's, it's, you know, as of this time, yeah, there's no evidence. I can say that uh, matter of factly, but I would never say, ah, there's no way ghosts could and ever have existed because I don't fucking know bullshit about bullshit. You know? I'm just like ghost agnostic. <laughs> All right, Rob. Well, so I mean, hundred percent. I mean, I I have a number of times. Like, I I think growing up, I was a very uh, I was a ghost. But no, I was a ghost, ghost. and uh, then I found some (laughs) meat, and now I'm haunting this meat. Um, No, but like, anytime I had any kind of experience that was in that realm, it was when I was with somebody else who was really invested in that being a true thing. Like mm-hmm. that, they were yes. existing, and I was, 
I was connected, Susceptible. like you know, I was I was in the moment with them. I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, let's let's explore this feeling or see where this goes or whatever mm. or accept these truths and play in this space and just allow yourself to be to kind of go with it. Yeah, mm. to to believe in those moments because that was what we were doing now, and I wanted to be a part of it. But I don't know how, like, if I reflect on any of those moments, do I think they were? connections to another worldly entity or something i don't i don't think so i don't think you need i don't think you need that to explain feeling empathic and connected to another person and finding something outside of yourselves and and telling yourselves a really interesting experience about that pattern or about what you're experiencing or finding value in doing that and you know so i, I don't i don't want to diminish that in any way diminish it rob diminish it because <laughs> that, that sort of led to my existing like philosophy which is really colored by the idea that like there's no atheist in the foxhole probably being a really true thing. The human being is going to believe what it needs to believe to survive the moment it's in. And if that means needing to think there's somebody out there looking or there's something beyond or there's the next thing and that's going to help me get through this moment and, and get into the next one, probably I will believe that in that moment. And if I find mm -hmm. myself in another circumstances, I might believe something. So you're else. hedging your bets. Well, you have permission to change what you believe in any given moment. It doesn't need to be true because everything is filtered through your experiences anyways. But I do have a much scarier bathroom story oh. uh, to tie it all together. <laughs> That's the Rob Dio The first story. slipped in the tub and died. A couple Ooh. of years ago, uh, Rachel and I both, we would each get in the shower and about mid midway through, suddenly you'd feel like you were being electrocuted. Not like you were being zapped or anything, but like there was a tingling all over your body. It felt like it was mm. something really electric, significant happening. And it, so of course somebody says, hey, something just weird happened when I was in the shower. So I went and had a shower afterwards. Definitely felt this whole body electric experience two or three oh. times. It, because the kind of dumb person was like, well, that can't be a real thing. What? It turned out they had rewired the hot water heater in the basement and they didn't ground it properly and they didn't oh. tell us. And so then it was like, uh, yeah, once we once we brought that to their attention, it was like, this was really not great. Getting gently uh, electrified. Very wow. scary. Could yeah. have been bad. Wow. Could have been very bad. Could yeah. they have killed you, do you think? No. I'm not sure. No. No. Alex is no. a hard Alex's no. Alex's insurance. Your breakers yes. would go first. I suppose if you already had like pre-existing conditions. You had a pacemaker. Yeah, yeah. If you already, if you had a weak heart or like an arrhythmia or something, like. Yeah, I suppose. Definitely you can Google electric hot water heater killed woman during shower or something. There's, yeah, that's true. You know, <laughs> Thank you for happened. the Boolean. <laughs> Fell on her. So all this comes down to that. If you think you understand what happened to me, send us fan mail, P.O. Box. <laughs> I mean, Paris, Ontario. <laughs> if right. you are the ghost haunting Harlan. There was an office somewhere when everybody would go into it and start to feel really creeped out. Like things would start to feel freaky in there. And everybody in the whole office was experiencing this creepy crap. And suddenly they were like, as they as this guy started investigating, it was because the HVAC was giving this really low thumb, like thrum, and that was like yeah. mm. in everybody's like fight or flight shit for a while. Yeah, radar. Yeah, how wild, eh? Here's the thing, though. So Joe was with me every time, or more or less every time. Yeah, it, I'll, like one time I go in the bath by myself, completely had it. She would sit in the bath with me, enter the same time. Nothing ever for her. Never affected her. Never whatever. And it was like, I think it was a combination of a few different things. Like it totally could be just like a few check boxes 
but I, I firmly believe it felt like it was like some sort of memory that wasn't my own. Mm-hmm. But it was weird because every time I got in, I like slipped and smacked my head in the same spot. <laughs> I like went unconscious every single every time. Single time. So crazy. I don't know. Maybe that had something to do with it. <laughs> every time I took a huge bong rip and then I just got in there. <laughs> That's right. Regardless, whether or not ghosts exist, they definitely exist in D&D. Yes, oh, no. they do. Bongs Speaking of which. Yeah. Uh, and I'm excited to fight some more ghosts. Uh, Let's do it. Get, Basically, to even the scales. Oh, the ghosts of our characters past. Just for <laughs> you, Harley. Let's do some D and D. All right. Woo! After the excitement of the midwinter party at the Drytus Manor and the dramatic exit by Cabin Zethundric, our group of heroes spend a few more days of rest and relaxation in Waterdeep before heading back out into the wilds to continue their quest. Thanks to the Harper's network of teleportation circles, the town of Loudwater feels very close, despite being two ten days travel east of Waterdeep as the crow flies. Straddled between the southern edge of the high forest and the northern reaches of the Southwood, with the ranges of the Grey Peak Mountains to the east, Loudwater is new territory for the party. It's the Four of Alturiac, a bright sunny day, and the teleportation circle dumps you out into the basement of a tavern called the Smiling Satyr. The circle seems to be unguarded, and no one's around to ask any probing questions of you. Outside, the town of Loudwater is bustling through its morning, its unremarkable citizens paying you little mind. Loudwater is a smallish place, probably in league with Amphail in terms of size, with perhaps a couple thousand residents. It hugs the Delimber River that feeds from the white-topped mountains in the far, far distance. Your ultimate destination, somewhere within. Man, I miss being on the road. Feels nice to kind of be back in my nice, clean clothes and uh, out of those stuffy, frilly things that we wore at that party. Yeah. I don't think a single thing you're wearing is clean, technically. Well, clean is a nebulous word here. It basically just means that uh, I didn't wear them yesterday, so they're clean for today's body, which is dirty. <laughs> right. I like to think that the dirt's just so ingrained that it's become a part of the shirt. Oh, yeah, yeah this used it's... to be white. <laughs> it's wearing, like, dark brown. <laughs> Isn't that where mineral wool comes from? Isn't that? It's insulation. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. I, I think? I don't know. Does... does does it ever not feel weird going through a teleportation circle? Because I don't know how to describe it other than it feels slimy, but I'm not slimy. Yeah. I like to describe it as reverse vomiting. Mm. Yeah, that's actually really accurate. And I, I, there's something inside my body now and I don't know how to describe it, but it's a deep, deep dread. <laughs> But don't do what Doran did last time, because he thought to get the reverse vomiting feeling out, that vomiting would be the answer. So he got really, really drunk before doing it. But that didn't work out very well, did it, Doran? <laughs> no, no, it never does. In fact, uh, you know, I didn't really vomit. Isn't reverse vomiting just eating? No, not the way we do it. No, I'm, I'm <laughs> a little confused here. So, the weather, does it smell like home, Doran? Yeah, not quite. I'll tell you, it doesn't sound like home either. That 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 this town really lives up to his, to his name. Can you hear the water from here? I can literally hear the water from it's here. It's very loud and obnoxious, to be honest. It is. It's quite nice. And we must be near. Of course, you'd like water, Mary. Waterfall or something. This feels like a personal attack. <laughs> <laughs> so, meta speaking, does anyone want to get anything done here before heading out? Supplies, potions, yeah, animals. That's a good point. I'm yeah. going to get a few climbing potions for sure. I want to get. 
let's get one for everybody just in case. I'd also like to recommend potentially, uh, well, I'm going to remind you the varietal of giant that you're up against and their um, <laughs> proclivity for certain activities. Mm. I'm not sure if <laughs> yeah, you Stone recall giants, what happened right? with uh, Jack yeah. earlier. Petrifying. Uh, oh, right. Although I think Mari ought to be able to cast unstonify us. Can Sorry, Mari, do you have access to greater, greater restoration? restoration? Yeah. Well, we could probably find a potion I do. for that, right? For anti... Uh, well, that's a load off because, yeah, last time Jack was frozen in carbon. Petrified. Uh, that's the word mm-hmm. I'm looking for. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm sure there's an anti-petrifying potion, though. Well, we got Mari Some now, sort so we don't have to worry about that. What if Mari gets Mari. petrified? Well, what if Mari's the one that gets petrified? Mm-hmm. Then we'll just SOL. ship her out. Then you have to go to the other caster, and then if, if he's gone, then everyone's fucked. Well, if we're going to get potions, whatever. Yeah. The problem is a scroll of greater restoration would probably be pretty costly. Yeah, they're about um, 750 gold, depending on who you're talking to. So that's more than the breastplate we just negotiated down for. So I, I'd say let's take our risk and just make sure Mari is protected. Yeah, yeah. I only Mari, have... you are to be at the back of the of the squad when we fight. <laughs> I I feel like I'm going to have to be doing a lot of things where I hang out sort of further further in the background and go like, great job, guys. I'm going to cast Moonbeam <laughs> from over here. And then here. Jack like looks at you and he's like, so now you get why we have to be in the back, Mari. Yeah. <laughs> Potion of climbing, 5E, price suggested value, 180 gold pieces. So, Let's call it 150 with all the haggling that you guys are going to do. So that's 300 for four. Sounds good? Sure. Cool. No one say anything. Shut up. Wait. Oh, no. Wait. <laughs> 600 for four. No, you Damn. said it. No backseas. <laughs> I like. I prefer to imagine that the shopkeeper just is bad at math. That's right. <laughs> I'll, I'll do 600. But it's funny because Rob and I both know. Yeah, I, <laughs> I was like... Sure, that's three hundred. Totally fine. <laughs> I was like, I was like, don't that's make a good haggling. Just go with it. <laughs> well, I, I was, I was suddenly very much in debate. I was like, should I correct that? It's also just a game, but also it's, it's kind of wrong. Just because Loblaws anyway. can price gouge doesn't mean you can, Joe. <laughs> that's right Um, cool so yeah we'll get four climbing potions i think as long as we protect mari i think mechanically we'll be safe otherwise we're spending double that is there anything else anybody wants or buys wants to buy i don't think so nope cool cool well then let's get the hell out of here red says he shoves the potions of climbing into the bag of holding and starts heading for the door of loudwater aka the gate (laughs) <laughs> the city's one one door. It's a basement door. Get for out of my reason. way, door. <laughs> With the Southwood to your right and the mountains far off in the distance ahead of you, you take the Greyvale Run heading east out of Loudwater. A group of merchant travelers passes you heading in the opposite direction, and then you are out alone on the road. It's been a long time since you guys have been just on the road mm-hmm. going to a place. Ah, oh, feels so good. You know... I feel like technology has really ruined us. Technology. <laughs> and by technology, of course, I mean those portals. Doran's always on his iPhone. He <laughs> <laughs> doesn't make eye contact anymore. It's Stop playing Angry Birds. You know, <laughs> I do I do actually recognize this area now that now that uh now that I'm out here uh, facing the Great Peak Mountains. I, I recall walking this way many a time as a child. Which one of those is home up there? Uh, and Doran kind of points over in the general direction. Well, it's under that area over there. That's a tree, Doran. Well, oh, you mean beyond the tree? Yeah, beyond the tree. <laughs> the, the, see the mountains back there, Red? 
I thought maybe he slept in a tree, Mari, and that would be really interesting. Oh, no, no. Dwarves don't sleep in trees. We live in, in underground uh, cities, in mountains. Well, well, I know. I've seen them before. We've been to Mirava. Yeah. I mean, I haven't, so you could tell me whatever you want. I'm just playing with you, Red. Well, I'm excited to uh, see uh, home or whatever. Uh, we're going to have a nice royal feast uh, like we did in Silvery Moon. Is your mom going to bake uh, a few cakes like in Silvery Moon? Mm. Silvery Moon? Will there be bland stew? Having some leftover bland stew, yeah. What about your brothers? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Didn't you say you had brothers a couple days yeah, ago? Probably not likely. Probably not likely. I mean... Well, I'm sure we'll be greeted. Uh, we'll be greeted with open arms, and there will be lots of food. Oh, there will be lots of food. <laughs> and and uh, and mead. Is it the bland shit? Or no, is it'll probably be bland. <laughs> but that's okay. It's nutritious. It's uh, you know. I can feign excitement. Are we going to yeah. have to sleep in a bed with your whole family? <gasps> of course. Oh, have to. <laughs> Maybe not with my family, but, but certainly we'll share but a bed. But just my dad. <laughs> Definitely my dad. It's like a 70s era sunken bedroom where you just <gasps> walk down awesome. two steps and then there's just pillows and like... I mean, I know it's dwarven custom. I'm, I'm, he- I'm here for it. I just wanted to like no, prepare myself. Mari's a little, little unnervous with the, the dwarven cuddle puddle that's being mm. proposed. It's you mean very, excited. It's very hairy. <laughs> it's, it's less about cuddling and more about piling. All right, so we're looking for the stone giant fort. Uh, but we don't know exactly where it is. Deadstone Cleft is somewhere in this general area. Uh, is the plan to maybe head to Doran's house first? Make that our base of operations, or <coughs> what? I, I think so. I, based on the, the books um, that... Crap, I forgot her name. Based on the books that B... Based on the books that B was able to collect while we were out in... You in, forgot my daughter's name? <laughs> in Waterdeep. Could you? You know, I've sort of narrowed it down Jack's to, to this kind of area based on some of the references in there. It's it's a shame we didn't get some of the more extended travel journals of Bizifiz the well-heeled or whoever. But we've we've got at least a general direction. But I think somebody who lives in the area has got to have a, an ear to the ground for, you know, more recent giant happenings. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah, let's head to Doran's home. Yeah. So, uh, Doran, whereabouts on this big mountain range is your home? Is it more to the south, to the north? Is it just kind of all of it? Well, no, it's definitely to the south. We're going to take this path here. Uh, we're going to take this right through the middle of the mountain pass. And then we're, once we kind of pass through, well, before, there's two ways you can approach uh, You can approach the city. And that's uh, through, the, through the foothills of the... Uh, of this side, or you can go through the mountain pass and then you know circle back around, and that's a much harder, harder travel, and doesn't make sense for us to go longer. So, we'll just take the shorter route. You actually grew up in a city? I didn't know that. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I thought you were like kind of you know the equivalent of a dwarven farm boy. No, I guess a stone boy. No, a mine boy. <laughs> no, no farms around here. No, I uh, I grew up in the. Uh, Blacksmith. That's right. You grew up in the blacksmith. Well, I, I grew up in the in the city, and then, uh, well, it's not a city like here. It's more of like a whole bunch of underground dwellings all compiled together, and then there's like a you know a center to the dwellings, and and then there's like you know, a, I guess it is sort of like a city. <laughs> <laughs> Jack is doing his best to picture it based on on Doran's description of it. 
and it's so fuzzy around all of the edges. He's just vibrating with excitement yeah, to see it. Yeah. All right, so we head to the city. What's the name of your city, Doran? No, I feel like I'm kind of backtracking because, well, where I'm from, um, it's not the biggest city in the Great Peak Mountains. The biggest city in the Great Peak Mountains would be Splendormorn. But I'm from a little, little, uh, a little, little big city, uh, not as big, called uh, Scarborough. And that uh, that was from, uh, you know, it's uh, one of the older towns, I guess, around here. But it's uh, certainly not a farm farming community. It's just, um, you know, on the other side of Bleached Bones Pass. Bleached Bones Pass? Wow. Well, the Bleached Bones Pass is the pass through the mountains. So you know, that, that we can go that way, but it's, it's technically walking further. And that would be if you're, you know, if we wanted to go to the other side of the Great Peak Mountains, we'd go through the... Uh, the, the pass, but this side of the, we don't have to go through that pass. Um, well, I mean, we like hiking, and again, I feel like the town of Waterdeep is really, you know, scrunched up. It's so small compared to the vast open nothingness out here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, well, that's what happens with cities, right? Ah, and it's so gorgeous. I think that bird is dead. <laughs> um, I will say this, you know, uh, I'm sure we don't have to go right into Scarborough. Deadstone Cleft is on the northern side, closer to uh, Splendormarn. Well, I think we got to start on one side of the mountains with people that we know and trust. And then we can start asking around. Because look, remember the hill giants? We knew the general area, but until we actually went to Belyard and asked about where. In fact, even on top of that, it wasn't until we met Moog that we really understood where the hill giants fort was. And mm-hmm. on top of that, until we went there and got our asses kicked and really came back with a plan, it wasn't until we were at all ready to deal with uh, Gredhog. So I, finding it is one thing, but figuring out what we're going to do when we get there is the more information we have, the better. Yeah. yeah. And, and on, on top, top of, of that... that <laughs> Well, <laughs> now I don't remember what I was going to say. Me neither. <laughs> Something about an imp, I think. Mari's just been staring off into the distance this whole time. Just kind of listening to them in the background, but just staring mm-hmm. at all these mountains like, oh no, we got to go over all these mountains. <laughs> That's <laughs> a lot of hiking. <laughs> I'm used to my flat terrain. so sore. Oh my God, yeah. I'm not built for this. I'm so reedy. Water around this desert edge? <laughs> you know, it's not so bad, Mary. Um, it's sort of like walking on normal ground, except you just got to lean back a bit. Thanks, Darren. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you walk up a hill. <laughs> now down. Whoa. Which is funny because she's also like, like almost six feet tall. She's tall. So <laughs> yes. she's just like, all right. All right. Well, one foot in front of the other. Let's do it. Yeah. Take us towards Scarborough. Is it a burrow? I feel like he's making this up, Jack. The sun is high in the sky and loud water already just a memory. When you come across something strange on the road, in the frosty earth, a stone statue of a tressum is partly buried forming an exclamation point in a long scratch of churned dirt. Hold up, everyone. Looks like there's something ahead. A tressum. A tressum. Stone anything, especially realistic statues of any kind, make me worried about... Yeah. And red flops down to the ground, and I use my primeval awareness to sense whether there are any giants within a five-mile radius. Mm. And uh, as red's chopped off ear is pressed to the ground he looks up at Mari and says 
I can do this. They're my favorite enemy, giants. You got a good one on your team. And he points to himself with his thumb. <laughs> Mara looks over at Jack and she's like, what's his least favorite enemy? Spiders! <laughs> That's a great question. Let me know if you can figure out how this works because I've been studying it for a while and I have no idea. Red, as you press your severed ear to the earth, you feel the vibrations of giant footsteps. There are indeed about a dozen giants within a five mile radius, though there are five much closer. Five, much closer. I can't tell what kind, but based on the weight of them, they're not friendly. (laughs) (laughs) What's a friendly weight for giants? Yeah. <laughs> at what at no what weight, weight class do they start being nice? Cloud, cloudy weight. <laughs> Bantam? Am I right? <laughs> yeah. Some of them, yeah. We don't have long. How far roughly? Like like 100 meters, two miles? You know that they're roughly within like a mile of you, maybe? The closest ones? Five within a mile. And I'm just going to look around. Yeah. Is, is there sort yeah. of place we can hide? Should we get... A, I mean, if they're a mile, we can probably hoof it. Keeping yeah. a mile distance shouldn't be hard. Mm-hmm. Like, what are we thinking? Well, if anyone knows where the giant stronghold is, it's giants. I don't know if we're yeah. in a position to sneak up on them. Five giants versus four of us. Let's not forget, last time we tangled with the stone giant, it was a long time ago, but I, I don't think we should try to take on their numbers if they outnumber us. No. Well, if we... No, and if I'm not, I'm not suggesting we would, because if we take them out, they can't lead us back home. But if we maybe check on them in ten minutes, and you can figure out what direction they're headed in, or something. Well, what if what if we kind of did a bit of both? I mean, you know, we're we're there. It's pretty open here, and and we'd be able to see them coming. But you know, if they're not looking for us, we might be able to just hide and spot them and see where they're going. You want to try to follow them? I could check. Because I, I have polymorph. Perfect. So I could turn into a bird or something. You could kind of fly up ahead and they wouldn't think anything other. A bird, get it! I mean, put it this way. <laughs> it's a risk. If you did that and something went wrong, I don't know how fast we'd be able to get to you. I could send some, I could turn somebody else into a bird too if we wanted to make it a team of two. Two birds and one stone giant. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> That's the name of the episode. <laughs> Let's look at this stone tressum first. And then see how we feel. It was it was a good reason to stop and see, hey, is there any stone giants immediately around who are going to try and petrify us? And I admit, I might be a little jumpy when it comes to being stone. It's not fun. <laughs> Did not go well last time. You had a bad trip. Did you want to roll an investigation check? I'd love to investigate this thing. I think Red's just going to keep an eye on our surroundings. Excellent. He's just going to play scout. 28. Hey. All right. Jack, you, you learn everything there is to know about this <laughs> tressum. Your suspicion about the tressum, first off, being a petrified creature as opposed to a skillfully worked statue is well-founded. Oh, poor guy. You can tell based on the detail, the eyelashes of the tressum, the hair between the pads of the feet. You, I mean, if you look close enough, you can see everything, all the the tiny striations on the feathers of its wings. This is clearly something that used to be alive. Oh, it's a boy. And that is... <laughs> <laughs> and what a boy. Beautifully yes. carved. I, um, I, I take out the little brush that I keep in my backpack for archaeological digs and stuff and start to carefully clean off this, this poor 
tress him and sort of mm. remove it from the from the ground until I'm carrying it in my mm-hmm. arms in, in one piece. It's its face is contorted as if in pain or fear and its depiction is as if mid flight. Mm. You can imagine that this creature was plucked from the air. And then looking at the place where it lies in the ground this scratch of churned earth suggests that the statue or this petrified creature landed on the road at the end of a long, low parabola skidding to a halt. And you can almost look and project to see where the other end of that parabola would be, somewhere south of the road, the same direction that Red indicated as being where the giants are. What do you think, Jack? Yeah, what do you see with this thing? Was it flying or was it thrown? Jack pulls up a illusory map in front of us of the sort of surrounding area that we can see and kind of project off, well, Red said giants in, in five miles this way. So kind of put that big, like, you know, t- giant figure on the map and sort of draw the arc of this tressum. And, and, you know, I tell that story of this poor living creature turned to stone by giants, probably fleeing from that direction. You know, if if we find ourselves with a, a spare moment maybe we could help it mari i think we could probably find a way to do that maybe later tonight but yeah mari sort of just sort of strokes it very gently <laughs> throw it in the bag of holding he's <laughs> <laughs> red throw it bodily just into a bag <laughs> oh it's leg broke off it's oh, fine no. right all right well let's keep going then i suppose right mm-hmm. i'll admit that the part that worries me is they got to eat at some point and they <laughs> aren't afraid of eating people. And that poor guy uh, probably was somebody's pet. Yeah. You think the Tressum was someone's pet? You think they took someone else? It didn't look like a wild Tressum to me. The eyelashes on it were in perfect condition. It looked really well-groomed and taken <laughs> care of. Somebody loves this Tressum. It's mascara on that Tressum. <laughs> Someone likes dressing up their fucking cat. <laughs> like, it's got a little coat on and the balls on this thing. <laughs> I, I didn't realize that this isn't a wild tressum. That changes some things, I suppose. I mean, if someone was on this road, they got attacked and they got taken prisoner, then yeah. Can I look on the ground for any tracks that might indicate a scuffle or indicate that? Oh, yeah, look here. A bunch <laughs> of giant tracks. <laughs> Definitely. Mm-hmm. So you leave the Greyvale run sneakily out toward <laughs> sne- very sneakily. We're, wa- we're constantly never... watching the horizon for tall creatures. Yeah. yeah. Well, the handy thing about giants is that despite what your dungeon master often uh, throws upon you, uh, they're quite large creatures, and what? <laughs> they're not very. They're not very stealthy. Logically, it would be difficult for them to sneak up on you. <laughs> However, Always, though. It's, it's hiding behind a really big bush. Sometimes, <laughs> yeah. So you you leave the road and you head towards where the sort of genesis of this uh, tressum parabola. Yeah probably was. Jack, why don't you check over there? Doran, you take over there. Mari, over there. And I'll check over here. I feel like we're all spreading out, kind of mm. looking through, like, bushes and, like, mm-hmm. underbrush to kind of try to find any sign of tracks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. After some searching, you do find some concerning evidence. Dun, dun, dun. A gum wrapper. <laughs> a giant gum wrapper. Someone was smoking a cigarette. Hubba bubba, the giant kind. Littering. Add that to the sins of the giants. Mari just finds an entire arm. <laughs> Human or what? Uh, it's human, but it's also gripping like a big crab. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. 
that says giants killed me. Mm-hmm. No, you got um, you got giant footprints in the snow. There's some humanoid footprints. There was definitely some commotion going on here. Can I roll survival to determine some of the info that I might be able to find on them? Yeah. I have advantage on uh, tracking these people. Do you think, Red? Both humans and giants. Mm. So hmm. Humanoids and giants, I should say. That would be a natural 20. Oh! Yeah, you did. Hmm. Oh! And I roll with advantage. Maybe I'll get two. I'll do it. (laughs) (laughs) Red, what does it look like when you are, like, assessing these footprints? Red never likes to make a show of it. Like, the minute he starts looking at it with any sort of concern and then notices Jack, like, studying him, he, like, immediately dumbs it down. He's like, ah, oh, I think this is it. And then he sees these, like, tracks. He's like, oh, there, I think this might be one. An elephant, perhaps? Red, you see that there are humanoid footprints here that belong to either a small or a young creature based on their size and the weight of the indentation. The distance apart... And the dragging of the feet indicated that they're running and tired. You also see that there are giant footprints here, barefoot and slender, suggesting stone giants to you. And with your natural 20, you also detect in and amongst all of this kerfuffle, which is the um, technical term, there are hoof prints and paw prints here. Well, it looks like this was stone giants, plus some hoof and paw prints hmm. uh, and it doesn't look like uh, our human friend one necessarily and red draws his bow and starts looking towards the direction they head mm-hmm. you can track the human footprints and it would appear the chasing giant footprints through the snow through the trees with your bow drawn you come to a sad tableau The body of an old mule lies in the snow, crushed. Nearby, the statue of a halfling crouches, with her arm flung out to one side, an expression of anger and fear contorting her face. Her stone hair blows off of her shoulders in threads that would take the hands of a craftsman decades to perfect. No statue, a petrified woman. Oh my god. Thank you once again to our wonderful Patreon supporters Alexander, Artistic Witch, Brian Blass, Brianna Weber, Michael Weber, Brain Marie, Christopher, Colin Burkhart, Creature, Cytosine, Daniel, Elizabeth H. Glory, Doug, Kirsten Wolf, Haley, Heather Nichols, KR, Lars, Lasagna, Lena J, Lorelei Feldman, Last Ruth on the left, Lost with Two Faces, Marimo, Melissa, Moss, Matilda Rushing, Matt Wordberry, Merlin, Michelle Kahn, Tama Konatsa, Reagan, Shadowhaven, Sky, Tara, Tony Pepperoni, Trapper939, and Tyler Fowler. Woo! Thank you so much! Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. 
United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 